We thought we'd show that. It, it's, it's, it's a marketing movie, really, to sell our idea of, um, sell our summer schools to year 12s who might want to come on them. That's what it was done for. Um, and I don't know about you, but we felt that during an activity such as that, you can actually feel the energy. Did you, did you get that sense of that from the movie? Yeah, you can feel the energy and the excitement and the um, personal transformations that are taking place. But um, is this enough to say that this summer school was effect an effective intervention? Just to say that they had a great time. Well, there's more going on than that, but is that enough? And we were thinking, we've been thinking quite a lot about how we evaluate these activities which take up um, my team's, a lot of my team's time, energy, effort, intellectual challenge for them as well. Um, I suppose de success depends where you're standing. If it's government or Offer or Hefke or the university senior management, they're interested in the long-term impact on progression to higher education. And obviously we could do some longitudinal tracking um, which could provide this, but that wouldn't be able to capture that transformative process that appears to take place. So um, you were on that next bit. Yeah, um, and, and when you talk to um, the practitioners themselves, the outreach workers, you talk to the students and you talk to the schools, the teachers, they've all got different perspectives of what a successful event might be. Uh, so the outreach um, workers might be very much looking at the coherence of the event, where the students had a good time, a lot of emphasis on positive feedback at the end, but not necessarily always looking at things within this broader picture. Mm. So we, we, we were aware that what we might think of as a successful event, there is a lot of variation around that, depending on your perspective. Mm. Anyway, both of these are essential. Um, are we on to the next slide? Yep. Yeah, okay. But we have to think about... Um, now, that was our 2014 Year 12 Summer School. Mm -hmm. And what we wanted to do, we wanted to move beyond just a, gener a generic summer school, and this was something that was mentioned earlier that's actually focusing in on subject specific uh, sessions sessions that related to the kind of things that the students were doing at school that that was very very important but and whilst all of the events that we were running and this was ranging from you know very sort of low-key events like campus all of these events had broad aims and objectives that when we actually looked at the events in a whole there was a, lot, a lack of coherence between the aims and objectives the aims and objectives were Whilst they were specific to the event, it didn't seem as if they always fitted in within a, a coherent framework of what it was that we were trying to achieve through all of the work that we were doing. And Colin would be interested to know that uh, raise attain, attainment raising activities had been written into our access agreement. So what is the role of a university in um, developing raising attainment activities? And another thing we were interested in is how would we know that we were raising attainment. What would we look for? What kind of, so we were aware that all of these things were there and people were making these kinds of claims, but we weren't always sure how we would know if these things were taking place. And, and like going back to the, the summer school, I mean, the kind of thing, I mean, I was there as a, I'd written not long starting my job, I was there as an observer, and the thing that I got was you, you got this buzz, you got this energy, you got the fact that people were very excited by what they were doing. The feedback that we were getting, we ran reflective discussions at the end of the sessions, and the feedback was very positive. And you know that, whilst obviously that 
video has been uh, edited to some extent. You know, those things were the things that people were saying, and that does capture this sense of you know the the occasion, and that a lot of people you know came with you know ideas about what university would be like. Their ideas were challenged in this environment. They came out feeling a lot more positive about it as well, and really appreciated this opportunity. So it's something that we knew was having some kind of impact, we could tell it was having an impact, but we weren't particularly systematic in the way that we were capturing that mm. and thinking about that. So taking a step back, I mean, as you can imagine, I've been thinking about these things for quite a long time, and I've started to think in a different way about what's going on when these activities take place. So if I'm thinking about um, schools and colleges and where they've got, let's say, successful progression to higher education, those are schools and colleges which um, most of the young people go on to higher education. So we, had a, we were talking to a young lecturer at the university the other week whose um, husband has got a job in a very prestigious local um, independent school and she has to do her sort of weekly bit as a wife and she said she was sitting there um, with with the young people, yeah, uh, <laughs> listening to members of staff who'd been to uh, Oxford or Cambridge, advising the sixth formers on how to complete their UCAS forms. And she said when she went to college in Devon, little college in Devon, there was nobody like that to help her make her application. And so she was definitely behind what we were doing, which was very good. But I think that encapsulates the difference. If you've got a, a school or a college where there's a strong tradition of progression to higher education, um, institutional habitus develops. The expertise within the institution and the staff, you'll find that staff um, are often alumni of the institution that um, people are intending to go to. So I always think of it as a sort of bridge, and, and Andrew did this diagram, which I was very grateful for. Um, I thought even that the bridge at the bottom was a little bit too solid. <laughs> when you think of the tiny number of students from some schools who do go on to higher education, and we've been thinking about it um, in terms of press on, in terms of capitals, which we've used quite a lot and started to break it down into different sorts of capital. I was, I, I was trying to get definitions here, so I just pulled this out. I suppose we know about economic capital, social capital, our networks, and then cultural capital. And when Bourdieu was thinking about this in later formulations, he started to break it down into um, scientific or intellectual capital, talking about subject expertise, an academic capital as understanding the rules and customs within the academy. So I've got a sense that there's something going on there that we're trying to deal with. And I've been thinking for a while, how do I conceptualise where our activities lie? And I started to think about it as a field of widening participation. So that in that tiny little bit in the middle there, these activities take place and they bring together um, staff engaged in WP activities from the university, um, 
the school staff. So if we think back to what Carol was saying, those who've got that deep understanding, those school staff, are able to engage in a way that school staff who are not. Uh, and then the student and their family and community. So one event, such as this <coughs> summer school, is trying to hold all those factors in play, in balance. Um, and I suppose the brokers for that are very often uh, my team, and then the academic staff who are involved in the activities, and start thinking about what they're doing. Sometimes it's quite challenging. So we started to think, how can we evaluate widening participation outreach um, in a more systematic way, but also to use any framework that we develop as a tool by which staff can reflect on what they're doing so that it's useful in terms of the way we're going forward. Andrew, do the next bit. We're trying to do a double act. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so one of the things that we were looking at is, is the process that goes up, go behind these events and the, th the thinking. And for me coming in as a research evaluator, I was aware that a lot of people were really thinking about what they were doing, but it wasn't always obvious, it wasn't always mm. apparent, the thinking that went behind the events. And the processes by which we evaluated the events weren't always as helpful as they could be. So we started to look at this process of reflexivity and how the, th the thinking behind the event informs the planning and then that how the planning then informs what we do and what you know I was interested in why like for instance in a summer school why do we choose to incorporate that range of activities in the summer school what do we hope to achieve through that what is it that we think that that range of activities will what impact do we think that will have so we started to unpack this process and the way in which people the th that were thinking about this work of widening participation so going beyond just the event what is it that people think that, that they're doing and Annette's just starting to circulate now this sort of broad framework that we've started to develop and th this is something that we see very much as an ongoing process and it's it's so feel free you know to engage and scribble on it or whatever because we see it very much as a way of starting to think about what it is that we're trying to do so we started to think of our activities as different types of activities. We had things like campus visits um, that were, we recognised as low-intensity visits. We thought, you know, they're important, but we weren't necessarily expecting the same level of impact. And also the work that we were doing with younger children, again, we were saying important, but we had different expectations from those kinds of events in terms of the aims, objectives to them, but also the way in which we are monitoring and evaluating them. So we started to organise our events within levels where events intensified as students were getting closer to the ages where they were making decisions in relation to university. So we organised, this is the, the range of events that we've got with On Track to Bath being sort of our, one of our main events where it's a very focused, high intensity event which has the aim of ultimately supporting student progression to Bath. And then the summer schools are falling below that and then um, this curriculum enhancement work that we're doing with year, um, year 10s and 11s <coughs> are coming beneath that. So we, we started to think about what were our expectations for these events? What was it that we were actually starting to achieve or aiming to achieve? So 
we started to develop this framework that we, we wanted to be able to fit all of our work within and within this idea of levels of progression. So uh, we, we, and we identified five broad overarching aims that we thought that all of our work sat within. And it wasn't that each one, you know, a particular event like a campus visit would actually encapsulate everything at that level, but the work that we were doing with that age group, we wanted to encapsulate those five broad aims and then have a set of objectives that were appropriate for the level that we were working at. So we, on the, the left-hand side, we were aware that actually, in order to progress to university, you needed to know about why you might want to go to university. What's the point of going to university? What's the point of higher education? So there was some sense of knowledge about the benefits of going to higher ed education. And then you also needed to be able to find your way around within that sector. So, so for people who were first in their family, the fact that they didn't have other people around them that could advise them on how to find their way through higher education, we thought that was really important. That's the navigation aspect. So it was the knowledge as well as that capacity to make choices and decisions about what might be best for you within that context. But we also felt that the subject element was important. So we thought about the knowledge, what we called the knowledge curriculum in the end. Now, I must set a note on all this. Yes. The language, we've debated this quite a lot, as you can imagine, over a period of time. This wasn't something that we picked up um, quickly over a couple of days. And you'll notice I've slipped in um, something called educational capital. Now, I'd really be um, very grateful if um, any Bourdieu's scholars can come up with a, a better term for that because um, on these two things at the end we were talking for a long time at one point we had them together because essentially we're looking at the skills that you need like essay writing communication skills presentation skills and the subject as separate and we had them together at one point the thing that decided us to separate them out was some work we were doing with mature students on an access to HE course and those students needed study skills academic study skills they needed them it wasn't so much the conceptual stuff or even the subject knowledge they were really lacking in basic things like how to write an essay how to do references and so on because of the short period of the access course. <coughs> so we had them separate. But it doesn't give us a nice, neat link back to the theory in quite the same way as we get the social and academic capital and the intellectual and subject capital that we have over here. Um, we've done this so that it's accessible. Again, on language, we've been trying to make it so that it can be used by people who are not sociologists. So we don't show them all that bit at the top all of the time. Um, things that we're thinking that progression curriculum they can perhaps begin to get and student identities and so on, but certainly know, choose, become, practice, understand uh, are things that all the people that we work with, engineers, junior, adult outreach people, they can all um, 
all engage with that. And we thought the student identity side of it was something that was very important because if you look at Bourdieu or something, that's, that's something that isn't always obvious there, that process of identity mm. and becoming and what the and the, the students' agency. We were very interested in what was happening to yeah. the students when they, they but, took part in our activities. Yes, you'll notice that we, we have skirted around that because in some ways the habitus, that is how, you know, students... Um, I don't know, feeling of themselves in the world is of a slightly different class to the other groups. Mm. It's uh, more of a transformative thing. But we could see this transformation happening and it seems to echo with the work that, you know, Carol picked up. Something happens. How do we, how do we capture that? How do we say that it's happening? And I was talking earlier about... Um, the project officers. There's some sort of tacit knowledge that the staff has, which I think is like um, a good teacher when you know that a class has gone well. Yeah, that sense of it. Now, it's not quite enough to say, oh well, it's gone well. You need a little bit more than that. But it's pretty important if you've got 30 year 10s in front of you or 48 year 12s who come all the way for all over the country to experience your university. So that tacit sense of does it work? Is there a transformational process is important. Um, I think I've covered that in some ways. The reflex is that it does aim at allow us this framework to share the aims and develop the activities with the participants. So we noticed with the academic staff, you can see quite a lot of them are engaging really well, which we're grateful for. But you'll tend to find that people have something tucked up their sleeve which they will deliver to year nines. They'll deliver to anybody, really, any age group. Now, if you say, well, actually, the year, the year nines are here because the idea is that they need to choose, make their GCSE option choices. So they need a slightly different class of information um, compared to those year 12s who are trying to do decide between biomedical sciences and biophysical sciences. Yeah? And when they see a framework, they begin, the penny then begins to drop. We're talking about something different. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a quite important uh, element. And it works really well with the academic staff as mm. well. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really yeah. helpful for them in terms of how they structure their sessions and, and how they, they view it. Because one of the things that's, that's been really important, as well as actually helping people to structure the work, it's the, for me, this evaluation part is, is about actually showing the value of the work as well. And I think if people know what it is that you're wanting to do and how you're going to view a good piece of work, it helps them to know... Like Annette say to not just keep wheeling out something that they've done before and we've had feedback we've had from academics is that that's been very helpful to them mm. and it's also helped us to communicate some of these ideas with parents as well so the parents can see what it is that they're trying to do on this one yeah okay so um, our year 12 summer school so straight away we've acknowledged it, it's a high intensity intervention it's something where we try to cram quite a lot in and it's seen as a, an ex it's a whole experience so we want people to experience academia we want them to learn about the subjects we want them to, to be inspired we want them to go away I mean some of the feedback we've had is students going away saying that they know how hard they want to, they've got to work because they've suddenly realized that actually there's somewhere that their current studies go so we have these 
we've got a, um, our broad aims would, we would be trying to meet our five broad aims, but we've set, we've come up with a set of objectives specific for a level three of event. And they tweak, we tweak those slightly depending on the type of event. So something like on tractor bath has a more, as a broader set of objectives than something like a year, um, 12 summer school. But there's, specific, there's a specific set of objectives at that level and tailored slightly to that kind of event mm. and then that then informs how we can evaluate that event so we design that event with those aims and objectives in mind and then we look we know then when we come to evaluate it the kind of things that we're looking for so it's become <coughs> something that's been integral to the, the design of the event the thinking behind the event but also the way we look at whether or not that event is successful also the evaluation approach i mean you could see we did some evaluation of the last year's one and we got some nice feedback it was useful it was helpful but now we're building the evaluation approach <coughs> making it integral to the planning and to the delivery of the summer school so slightly it does affect the methods we find so yeah. so within under the five aims that we've got, we've got top-level objectives that we have identified within each of these aims, and and they're the, the ones that are on your sheet there. So, for instance, you know, while you know, we're the first one looking at knowledge and awareness, what we wanted to do is to enable students to investigate the kind of options that they have and the kind of opportunities they are. So, so be aware of what is available. So it's, it's very much an educational thing, making sure that they know the kind of things that are available. And although, you know, AIM Higher was criticised for focusing on awareness to the exclusion of other, other things, and, you know, there's always this accusation of it's something about deficit, of a deficit model, which obviously I don't want to, you know, go down that route. Nevertheless, people do need that knowledge. Yeah. They don't have the knowledge, therefore they need the knowledge. And we felt that by stripping out the different aims and objectives, aims, it was clearer um, what we were actually trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. mm. I mean, I thought about it in terms of perhaps when you visit an unfamiliar country, that you might read up about that country so that you can find your way around. So it's not that there's a deficit, it's just that people need to learn about the environment that they're moving into. Mm. We're really interested in helping students to actually make choices within there and aware that that was you know, something that was very, very difficult for some people, that actually, you know, there's so many options. Parents have said, you know, there's X number of courses. How on earth do I mm. support my, my child with making a choice between those courses? So we, we thought we needed to develop students' capacity to make choices. <coughs> yes, and not to just see it as something, oh, you have the information and that it's something rational, therefore you make a rational choice and you get the right sort of qualifications and move forward. As we know, that's not the case with um, especially young people or with ourselves probably, especially with young people who will make all sort, have all sorts of reasons for making choices or, or not making choices if they're not given the opportunity to explore how they feel um, how that relates to what they're interested in and how that might relate to any further study or work. 
We also, we also thought it was an important, and this is the, the thing with student identities and their confidence, is actually helping students to anticipate the kind of challenges so that they go into university with their eyes open, prepared for the kind of things that they're going to expect, and give them an opportunity to actually experience some of that. And so that's obviously something that you have a great a chance to do with the summer school. Mm. You've actually got them in a university setting, and you can help them to see the kind of things that they will need to face when they come to higher education. Mm. I mean I know resilience is being used a lot recently but we were trying to find some form of expression that took into account the fact that the university itself is a challenge. That mm. it's not just about where the young people have come from, it's about where they might be going to and that universities themselves have got to change as well. Um, so this is focused on what happens with the young people, but I think by naming the fact that pe young people need to be resilient in order to make the best of this actually is quite an interesting discussion topic when you're talking to them. Mm. It's not just as though the, uni the wonderful university is opening its um, fantastic doors to the underprivileged. Now, I haven't noticed anything particularly like that at Bath. No. It's quite a practical place, <laughs> but you can, but it can be perceived like that. Mm -hmm. um, so we wanted to make sure we had something like that yeah. in there. And we also wanted to help students to do well. And that was the thing that, you know, it, getting into a lot of the courses at Bath, they have very high entry requirements. So it seemed, you know, you, in order for the students to actually get there, they had to be, they had to attain <coughs> at a, a certain level. Uh, so we wanted to uh, develop projects that actually enabled them to do that, to, give, to help to develop critical thinking skills, to put them in situations where they were problem solving, where they were having to work independently or work within groups, and to actually get them thinking beyond a curriculum, which we found a lot of them were, you know, they were, it's this thing of actually being put in, in situations where you don't know the answer, and actually helping them to prepare, uh, to develop those kinds of skills. So we, we started to look at projects that deliberately challenge students where they're actually having to apply their thinking in other contexts. And then, shall, shall I do this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the, the finally, we, we, and we've had quite a, lot, a few debates around what is actually happening in terms of contextualising knowledge, because we think that they're, we're, we're contextualising existing subject knowledge that they have within a broader subject, but also contextualising their knowledge more generally. So some aspects, you know, we're giving them experiences that just enable them to think more broadly, not just about their subjects, but about the world in general. So it's not entirely about subject knowledge, it's about thinking more broadly mm. as well. And that's something that we we try to explore throughout. Our and as I raised just earlier, you know, what can a university do if you are thinking about raising attainment? Um, so I did pose this question amongst the team and the broader university, well what can we do? Well they need to get good A-level grades, therefore we have to give them more A-level teaching. Oh, but are we the right people to teach people A-levels? Don't they have teachers who do that? Well, perhaps we could hire some more teachers. So it's as though in order to solve the problem you just give the young people more of what they're getting already now of course obviously if you've got a situation in a school or a college where they're i don't know short of somebody to do maths a level then that is a that is an issue but not something we're going to be able to solve on a on a 
systematical basis. No, I started to think, well, it's not really about that. We know that the A-level curriculum is quite narrow as it stands. My personal theory is that um, that doesn't matter too much if you've got lots of um, subject hinterland and Louise Archer down at King's has been doing some work around the science curriculum and she's de developed this concept called subject capital which we slipped in there earlier, you probably noticed. Um, now what she's saying is that if you are going, if you um, go to visit the Natural History Museum, um, your parents are reading the paper and perhaps commenting on research that's in the news, that there are TV programmes, that you bring your science homework home and people have a, got a broader understanding about what's going on than, than was certainly the case for me when I was growing up. Um, you're going to develop what's called subject <coughs> capital. And then, the thing is, you have then a more narrow curriculum, which you've got somewhere to slot it. If you haven't got anywhere to slot that knowledge, then how are you able to engage with it? Mm. So, we've been thinking, yes, we do have subject-specific things, we do challenge them, but what we're trying to do is not replicate what they're doing in schools and colleges, but actually to enhance that and give a bit more of that hinterland, that subject hinterland, to get people thinking, um, to give them the same sorts of <coughs> advantages that you would get if you came from that sort of family, perhaps where your parents are science teachers or university professors or, um, you know, that sort of professional occupation. So what, what we're trying to do and what we've started to do I mean these are the different different areas of that we're, we're developing we're looking at the targeting of, of our events and looking at particularly these high intensity events that actually we're wanting to target as a very specific group some of the lower intensity events there's still a degree of targeting but, but we're acknowledging that when we get into these summer school like the year 12 summer school particularly and on track to bath we're wanting these to be very targeted events so we're monitoring the participants on all of our events but particularly these high intensity <coughs> events against the, the WP criteria that we've identified so we're looking at the kind of school they go to we're looking at ways in which we can identify social economic class so for instance the on track to bath we we ask parents about their occupation mm. we're also looking at um lpn uh, the education parental mm -hmm. education all yeah all of those things we're now we've signed up to the heat tracker so we're able to actually track people i don't know whether people know what that is so that's um, the <coughs> higher education access tracker which is currently being rolled out nationally and enables you to um, enter onto a large database the um, participant and the event that they've um, attended and track them through. So what I'm hoping is that we see them on our, their Year 9 Futures Days and that they pop up again <laughs> on the Year 11 Summer School <laughs> and then yet again in uh, Year 12 and 13 on our Sustained Programme. So the Heat Tracker should enable us to do that. Um, and then look at where they ultimately apply, whether or not mm. they progress to university and whether yeah. it's to our institution or an institution that we're working with. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. But then we've still, got to, we've still got to think, how do we, so that would be in the background, but how do we actually see whether the event itself was effective? Um, and then how do we follow up? 
not on a sort of longitudinal measure, but on the individuals themselves and what their intentions are. Mm -hmm. So those are, that's where we're headed at the moment. So we've, what we've done is rather than um, try, to, uh, try to break it down in um, complete detail, is to work through a particular aim and objective for um, one area. So aim one. Yeah, so mm. aim, the, the, the first of um, the overarching aims is about it's looking at knowledge of higher education. So we found that this is something we can actually test. So we, we can give them information through the course of the summer school, but we can actually incorporate quizzes into that where we get some sense of what people are learning. We've done before and after quizzes. So things at the beginning of the session, like what do you know about higher education? What do you, and then having matched questions before and after. So that gives us some indication mm. of learning. Um, we've also incorporated reflective group discussions into these events so that we can actually explore what people have learned, what they know as an activity and actually document that uh, so that we can actually use that mm. as evidence of learning. And then in terms of, again, that's something that, get, that we can look at in terms of their, their ability to choose. We've been able to incorporate um, these kind of, well, explore these aims through the activities that we're, we're exploring. So looking at how they're making decisions, how the event has helped them to make a decision. So rather than just giving them the information and then going away and actually as hoping that it's useful to them, we've actually been able to incorporate this reflective process into our events so that we're getting some feedback from students and we're able to then feed that back into the programmes that we're developing. So if we, we really hope that students are going to get something from one of our events and then we run this discussion and find that actually they're not getting that, we've been able to then bring that back and think, well, how can we improve that aspect of what we're doing in order to communicate that more effectively? Um, I'm going to just jump to aim four, which is easier. So similar sorts of approaches there. Now, these are the ideas that we're trying out at the moment as we plan our 2015 summer school yeah, with the staff with the WP team, with the academic staff. So we're building it in from the beginning. We're using the framework to say these are the things that we're trying to achieve. We haven't entirely decided on what we're going to, how we're going to evaluate it. When it comes to that transformative thing though, I mean a test. Well we could have a test, couldn't we, with our clicker quiz. Do you feel transformed by this um, <laughs> event this afternoon? It's, uh, yeah, you know, you say, yes, yes, or no, you know. So, so it doesn't really get you very far. So there we were feeling that, you know, the getting an engaged discussion is quite important, but also you can also get a bit, oh, yes, I feel, oh, it was lovely. Well, as an individual quietly reflecting, perhaps you don't want to admit that um, you felt a little bit overwhelmed by that. Mm. So maybe we have to think, well, having the feel-good movie and the feel-good focus groups and things like that, maybe we need to add something there. And we were thinking, well, a little bit of a follow-up, I think. Mm. In the cool light of day, reflecting back, how useful was this? What was the process? Mm. So that we can see what's happening. So that would be something that we would add, and that would be as a direct result of thinking about what we were trying to achieve in the first place, that that um, addition would be there. 
And the other thing that we've also been trying to do is, is looking at how we can use social media creatively because we found that that's something that actually works really well within these the summer schools, that we can actually create a Twitter uh, feed mm. people all um, a group a Facebook group and actually people really engage with that and you know, people are uploading photos and there's a real sense of community so we're looking at how we can use that to extend that beyond the event keep those links between people and actually communicate through those media, media mm. to actually find out what people are doing and what they took with them after the events finished mm. but in some ways um I mean, I think the, the whole thing about identities is really complex, but I think the other really complex one is this, um, this intellectual capital, this understand. We could have broken this down further, and one of the reasons we didn't was we didn't want to use, lose the coherence of the activity itself and try to break it down so that it became meaningless. And we also were very aware that we had to a couch this in terms that could be used by the staff trying to plan and design the activities and that if it got too complicated nobody would know what we were talking about so we thought we have to do this but there's a lot going on there because we want to have um, we, we active learning active pedagogies are built in there yeah um, projects so we're talking about creation of knowledge so we say oh let's get them to well I want to do my my session let's say what could it be let's say the DNA necklaces because that is good that session that you saw on the film DNA necklaces well yes the DNA necklaces is very very good great session um, so what uh, what I mean do you think they're actually sort of learning what do you think they're actually learning there are they actually experimenting? Are they creating new knowledge? Um, as an argument for doing a project, and that's been great fun, that's really worked mm. where we've mm. had the projects. Mm. They've, um, we've got fantastic feedback because it's something that is very hard to do at school, mm. to have some sustained time to work on something which is a real intellectual challenge. Um, and then also we want to challenge assumptions, we want to have new ways of thinking in a way, those three things in the middle are sort of hidden in there, and they tend to come out in discussion yes. when we're talking about yep. what we're going to do in something called a project. Yeah. One of the things that students have kept repeatedly saying is, is this, uh, this idea of applying what they know, and it's an opportunity to apply what they know and to use what they know and to share what they know with what other people know. Mm. So it's getting, going back to that idea of subject capital or whatever, they're actually generate, you know, using this stuff. It gives a context in which to apply these things creatively. Mm. So at the moment we're thinking about how do we measure and evaluate that, what's going on. So we were thinking, well, a product, um, that one of the things we've been doing with the students is they produce working groups and produce posters, like a proper academic poster. And then we have an exhibition, they stand in front of them and talk about their work. That, that's worked quite well. So it could be a product, it could be a movie, something like that. One of the things could be the ability to put a coherent argument and have a, a good debate, which was something we used with our sustained group um, last summer on their mm. residential. And we incorporated that where they actually went out and researched an area. We've, we introduced them to an area through a lecture. They then took looked at different sides of it and actually argued, not necessarily from a perspective that they 
adopted themselves, but they actually explored a perspective and uh, how you could use research to argue from a different perspective. So that was been that was a really useful experience. Yes. So various other things. So we're but we're just about coming to the end of the creative phase on this <laughs> because the the big issue is how do we? I mean, each event. This is a one week event. This could keep you busy for about six months of the year, yeah, couldn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Not to mention everybody else, you know, in my team, trying to capture, capture everything. So we'll have some more creative discussions, and then we're going to try and make a very systematic evaluation framework for each event mm. um, that's actually manageable. Um, pulling out um, those particular, which is where coming back to the beginning, where the framework's so important. Because although we can't um, evaluate each event at the same level of intensity, we can do some of them and we can think about is the programme as a whole actually achieving what we um, set out to do. So that's where we are at the moment. We're very pleased to be here today because <laughs> at this point we're willing and grateful for any suggestions you might have. <laughs> because we're just about to launch into the busy phase, yes. aren't we? Yeah. Where what, what's been decided, what we go with, is what we're going to go with as the activities um, are delivered. And what we know is that we're, we're going to focus on our high intensity events where the aims and the, uh, the objectives are more ambitious. We're, those are the events that we really see as having mm. some kind of impact. And we're, what we're really grappling with now is how to actually evaluate those in a, in a way that captures that intensity uh, but isn't so time consuming that actually it's not possible to do because I could quite easily go and do an in-depth ethnographic study, interview everybody and then just not and have time mums and, dads. and their mums and dads yeah. and just not have any time to type it up, analyse mm. it or do anything mm -hmm. so it's actually getting that balance between what's viable and what's desirable mm. Okay, yep. okay Thank, thank you. you so much